Thing. Now, my next guest is a polyamorous burlesque dancer and events manager uh, who can also be described as an advocate of the sex-positive movement, uh, embracing safe and consensual sexual experimentation. In 2006, she st- or 2016, rather, she started her first events company, Menage Life, uh, and she says she was inspired by her experiences of attending numerous private sex parties. She says that she stopped counting her own sexual partners when she hit the figure uh, of 100 at the age of 21. Uh, she's in an openly polyamorous relationship and uh, Pearl Derriere currently lives with her boyfriend and also has a girlfriend. Uh, they share a bed apparently but they don't have sex with each other. We'll be finding out more about it. But really the reason that I wanted to speak to Pearl uh, was to find out what it meant to her to be sex positive and I'm delighted that she joins us on the line from the States. Pearl, what a pleasure. Hello, good evening, great to have you with us. Hello, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What does sex positivity mean to you? Why are you a sex positive advocate? Um, Excuse me. Um, Sex positivity for me uh, means not being ashamed of one's sexuality, whatever that looks like for the individual. Uh, There are so many different cultures, and historically we are taught to have shame around sex and sexuality and it should only be for procreation when in reality we're designed for pleasure and there's nothing wrong with that and exploring and really finding out what somebody appreciates about their sexuality Um, and I'm trying to destigmatize. Has this been a journey for you to reach this point or have you always felt this way? Did you have very sex positive role role models when you were growing up? I would say yes. My mother was very much um, supportive of me being a human being and exploring my sexuality. Uh, and so it, I never felt like there was anything wrong with with being sexual. And so it, it allowed me to kind of embrace the culture and uh, the community a little easier than I think some other folks have. And what was it that that gave you the the impetus to work in the sex industry, or certainly around uh, in a sex in a sexual environment? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's an industry and an area of the world that I love and appreciate, mm. uh, and so I saw an opportunity there to work within the industry so that it can also be my livelihood, uh, and so I just took the opportunity and I ran with it. When you think about sort of young, particularly, and I want to speak particularly about young women today who so often are shamed for their sexuality, they're shamed for, shamed for being sexual creatures, um, they are shamed for speaking out about the fact that they even enjoy sex. What do you, yeah. what would you want your message to be to them? And, and how do you hope that sex positivity and the movement of sex positivity speaks uh, to those young women? Uh, I would say just keep exploring and keep staying strong and just be reminded that you're not responsible for anybody else's reaction for who you are. And so don't allow people who are shaming you to limit who you are. Mm. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about your your relationship, which people will find intriguing? Um, and I'm sure to you, it's just very, very normal. What exactly is polyamory? Um, so polyamory is being in intimate relationships with more than one person. Um, and so for me, it looks like I have my live-in partner, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I also have a girlfriend who lives in Texas, which is about a 20-hour drive from where I live currently. Okay. And how does that dynamic work? And and how did you and Dan reach an agreement where this was okay for you? (laughs) Well, uh, as it turns out, I was polyamorous well before I met Dan. Right. And so he he got into it knowing exactly who I was and um, has really just embraced who I am and allowed me to continue being who I am and vice versa. Are there ever issues? And I, uh, what, the, the issue that I would immediately jump on as, as perhaps being um, a, a, a possible one is is jealousy. And um, is that do, do you have to set out specific rules in order to make sure that it works, and that there are and that people's I guess that people's feelings don't get hurt. Well, there's a lot of a lot more communication is involved in polyamorous relationships. Mm. I, I say it's sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. And something to look at when you're handling jealousy is somebody says, oh, you going on this date with this person is making me feel jealous. Well, what I'm doing going on the date with this person is not making my other partner feel jealous. They are reacting with jealousy as an emotion. So what I ask people to try on is to really look at what is the root of that feeling? What is causing them to feel jealous? Is it because they feel like I'm replacing them? Or is it because I get to go and have an experience that they are not currently having? And really dive into that and look at what the root cause is so that hopefully it doesn't come up in the future. When you think again of of how women particularly are viewed sexually, or, or women's views are uh, women's women's sexualities are viewed by other people, and often often by us ourselves as as women, um, and you look at how your relationship works, do you is it something that you think you know if more women felt comfortable expressing themselves, there'd probably be a lot more polyamorous polyamorous relationships in the world. I don't necessarily think that there would be a lot more polyamorous relationships. I just wish that women in general felt more comfortable with expressing themselves. You know, I, I don't think that everybody is polyamorous, and I don't think everybody is monogamous. I, I think we're all on kind of a scale somewhere. And so just figuring out where you are on that scale and being happy with it. Mm. Mm. Are you in love with both of your partners? Are you in love with Dan and in love with your girlfriend? Or is, is one of them just a sexual thing? No, I, I'm very much in love with both of them. Um, I've been with my girlfriend for going on six years now, off and on. Um, and Dan and I have been together for like 18 months now. Are you married? No. So, and either of them, any of them? No. Okay. Would you get married? No. Uh, I don't. I like the idea of a lifelong commitment, but I don't necessarily like all of the paperwork that's involved with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit before we let you go. I do want to talk about the orgy um, that you planned. Now we were, we would. I was absolutely fascinated by this. You wanted to hold the largest orgy in human history. Why did you want to do that in in Las Vegas of all places? <laughs> Why did you want to do that? <laughs> Well, <laughs> well um, really, the, the short answer is it's a great way to show the world how 
prevalent sexual expression is mm. and that it is something that doesn't need to be swept under the rug or kept in the closet. And we're all normal people. We have normal jobs and we have families and all of the same things that other folks have. We're just more open about our sexual aspects of our life. There may be people who say, and and I'm certainly not one of them, but there may be people who say, this woman sounds sex obsessed. Um, and there may be people who say, um, this is just this is just sex addiction, just in another guise. What would you say to those people? Um, you know, I think the the difference between like sex addiction and nymphomania and myself is, um, you know, sex addiction, the definition is allowing sex to have detrimental effects on your life. Mm. Um, I personally have never had any STIs or STDs. Uh, I'm very safe with everything that I do. Uh, all of my partners are consensual and know exactly who they are and where they are in my life. Um, and, you know, I also have another day job. I also have, you know, a household to keep track of. I'm, I'm just like everybody else. It's just rather than going to, um, you know, like a, a CrossFit class or something. This is what I like to do in my spare time. <laughs> I should just ask you, how did the orgy turn out? I know that you didn't break the record, but, I mean, how many people pitched up? Yes. Um, so we had, a, I want to say it was like 432 people or something to that number. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, there were a lot of issues, as it turns out, Las Vegas is actually a fairly conservative city politically. Hmm. And so th there were a lot of snags. We had um, the city government come in and try and shut us down, as well as the law enforcement, even though we were breaking no laws whatsoever. Um, so it was it was kind of a political nightmare. Sure. Um, but, you know, in the end, we still had an event for our customers, Um the overwhelming response was that it was still a great event and everybody could see how hard we were trying to produce it um, and knew the odds were against us. Paul, how uh, do you keep an event like that? Sorry, sorry. How do you keep an event like that safe for the participants? Uh, that is a, <laughs> a very good question. It's actually kind of complicated to answer. Um, I have a very large staff that is trained specifically for um, protecting others and looking at situations and uh, managing them in a consensual way. Um, we have a high level of security as well as process in which we go through to check folks' identity as they're coming into the event. Yeah. Um, so th would that would that include? I mean, in terms of um, safe sex and, and use the use of condoms, do, would you do you mm -hmm. require that people have uh, tests before they come, or that they present sort of st test certificates saying that they're clean of things? I mean, how does that work? Because when you're dealing with hundreds of people, um, it would seem to me that possibly somebody could slip through the net who may not be th as genuine as they may. You know, they may not be they may not be particularly safe. Sure. Um, so for that particular event, it was required that barrier methods were used. So condoms, dental dams, gloves, things like that. Um, and then as far as tracking who partners were, um, we made it so that you were required to bring a partner with you who you already have a pre-established sexual relationship with and sign a legal consent waiver stating those things. Um, and so at the event, you were only required to have 
a sexual relationship with that person that you brought with you. Ah. Um, now, should you want to participate with other folks, by all means, just, you know, make sure that consent is established and, and that it, they're aware of what's going on um, and then have fun with it. Um, but we don't require people show up with STI testing paperwork or anything like that. It's very much of, you know, you are who you are and you are who you're with, and we trust that you are being as safe as you can and want to be. Will you be trying it again? Would you like to? Would you um, like so to break the record? I mean, not that it's about the. Re- it doesn't sound to me like it's about the record necessarily. Obviously, um, but would you like to give it another go? So Menage Life is planning to do another record attempt. Um, at the end of last year, I have elected to step down from the company. Mm. Uh, and so um, I will probably go as a participant because I want to be involved in the community and I want to be a part of that. Um, however, I'm not on the planning side of that any longer, so mm. I don't know exactly where they're at and um, how things are going there. Okay. All right. Pearl, it's been fantastic to speak to you and, and absolutely fascinating. And I really appreciate the time that you've given us and speaking uh, so honestly and candidly uh, about something that not a lot of people would speak very honestly and candidly about. And perhaps that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, once again, thanks ever so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Have a great day.